Hi, you are listening to Neurodiverse Talks, a podcast aimed at promoting neurodiversity awareness and delivered to you by Anthony Bodanovich, a neurodivergent professional with Asperger's Syndrome. Neurodiverse Talks is a podcast where we present neurodiversity and try to show you a new perspective. Today, I will be joined by Dana Lehman Hill, Director of Fundraising and Development at Ambitious About Autism, a UK-based charity that supports children and young people with autism through providing education and employment services or raising awareness and understanding and campaigning for change. I will talk to Dana about what Ambitious About Autism does and how the charity can help you if you are autistic and looking for some guidance or whether you are a company looking to hire somebody with autism. Hello Dana, could you tell us more about Ambitious About Autism? So Ambitious About Autism is a charity for young people with autism. Um, It was founded about 23 years ago um, and it was really founded with its roots in education. So it started out as a school, Treehouse School, um, but it's now diversified to offer a really wide range of services and programmes to help autistic young people on their journey from early years to a rewarding adulthood. So I would say education is still a really strong part of what we do. We've now got two schools in London and a further education college across two sites. Um, And I'd say there's a really strong emphasis on careers education within our services. So we don't want our schools or colleges to um, be extending the cliff edge for young people. We want to make sure they transition from those services into um, a meaningful, sustainable opportunity to have an independent, rewarding life. Um, An ambitious college is interesting, actually, because it does represent a really important um, opportunity and stepping stone for autistic young people who have uh, more complex needs. We know, um, and you may well be familiar with these stats, that only one in four autistic um, young people go on to any kind of education or training beyond 16. Um, The opportunities just don't exist for them. Um, And with very few employment prospects available to them, they effectively retire at just 16 years old. to us, that simply isn't good enough. So um, our ambitious college is really important to us because through that, we can have high aspirations for our young people um, and help those learners who want it to have some meaningful experiences of work. So alongside that, there's also a lot we do in employment ability, you know, and hence that's an important part of my role. Um, So six years ago, um, our youth patrons, who are a network of young people with lived experience of autism, um, told us that the one thing they worried most about was employment. Um, And we asked them to, we supported them to do something with that. And they created a really successful campaign called Employ Autism. And we used the learnings from this campaign to create a successful work experience programme called Autism Exchange, which we co-developed with the civil service. Um, And Autism Exchange has just grown and grown. So it's now expanded across a number of 
sectors. Um, we've helped hundreds of young people have meaningful experiences of work. And we've also trained and equipped employers to be able to support autistic employees. So that's why we call it an exchange. We see it as an exchange of benefits. Um, the young person is having the experience of work, but the employer is benefiting too, because they're becoming more autism confident. Um, and then what we started to realize with Autism Exchange was that the reach of it was rather limited because it's a very resource intensive service to deliver in order to be successful. So what we have then turned our attentions to um, alongside delivering Autism Exchange is establishing regional partnership networks throughout England. And these networks are made up of autistic young people, parents and carers, employers and educators. And we provide training and toolkits to help autistic people transition from education into employment. So we're, we're trying to affect system change, really. Um, we're also now working with 17 universities across the UK um, in partnership with Santander universities to create internships for autistic university students. Um, and finally, we're part of a group called GAIN, which stands for Group for Autism Insurance and Neurodiversity, with the aim of bringing more neurodiversity into the insurance sector. So we do quite a lot of things. Um, you know, it's a nice diverse mix. And I like to think that we're gradually making a difference in lots of different ways. Fantastic. Uh, could we actually focus a bit on how you exactly help young autistic people with jobs? And what kind of jobs are they? Are they white collar jobs in the IT department? Or would they be more like uh, blue collar jobs where they have to do something repetitive? Could you explain something more about this? Definitely. It's a real mix, actually, a real mix. So um, the young people that we support through our services, um, uh sometimes have uh other things alongside uh being autistic so some of them have learning difficulties and things like that um so we have supported them into a mix of jobs that include uh catering uh working in uh cafes uh working on our social enterprise initiative where they are managing an allotment and creating veg boxes which are then sold in a London market. Um, we've got one young man whose special interest is refuse management so we've supported him to set up his own local business uh, collecting bins for his neighbours and putting them out and being paid to do so. So, um, but then on the other side, we've got a mix of jobs for um, young people who may have um, some quite high academic qualifications. Some of them have got degrees, master's degrees, postgraduate degrees, but um, they just haven't been able to transition into employment. They've just met outdated recruitment systems um, and it's been an insurmountable barrier for them. I know so that. I know what you're talking about with those things because I, I, I personally had uh, certain problems. I think I'm more open, so I can't get certain things. So, like with certain jobs, it was actually through recommendations that I got the job. 
but when I had to face job interviews, every job that I had, then more or less through the recruit traditional channels, it didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And that, um, we hear that a lot, actually. And, and that's why Autism Exchange and our employee autism programs exist, actually, to work with employers to um, make some simple adjustments to those re recruitment systems and then see the benefit of bringing autistic people into their workforce. But in that capacity, we've got people into creative industries, we've got people into uh, BP, SAP, Santander, Deutsche Bank, Ketchum PR, WPP agencies, um, Essex County Council, a real mix actually. Um, also, of course, the civil service um, and a whole range of uh, civil service departments. So. Um, we haven't seen a strong bias, actually, among the people we've helped into one job role or profession or sector type. Um, in fact, what we recognise is that everyone's different, everyone has different interests. And um, uh, we've got one young woman we help who's an artist, actually. So she's um, we've supported her in uh, developing some entrepreneurialism around her art lots of options can you can you tell me about the recruitment processes because you did mention that they were outdated so in what way would you help companies change their recruitment process in terms of employing autistic people sure um so different ways we would start by looking at the role they want to recruit to um and that may require uh, what we call job carving so it may need the role itself may need to be adjusted and re-described so that it's really clear what the, the role is and is uh, uh, a feasible job for an autistic person. We'd look at how that role is positioned and make sure the language that's used is clear and unambiguous. Um, and then we would also uh, talk to them about how we would go about candidate sourcing, what sort of person they might be looking for from what sources um, and then we would help them with the actual recruitment process so um, the interview um, we would typically recommend that interview questions are shared in advance which is quite a um, a challenging concept for lots of employers who think that that gives candidates an unfair advantage we we quite disagree actually um, we think interviews are not designed to test one's ability to think on the spot. They're designed to understand skills and experience. And in fact, um, simple practices like that, um, we find employers then apply to their neurotypical candidates, you know, and, and see the benefits there too. Um, and then we, we work with the candidates to understand what they might need from a recruitment process in order to uh, have a good positive experience so do they need some uh, careful instructions around how to access the interview do they need to see pictures of who's on the panel um, some of them have simple requests like please could the panel avoid speaking over the top of each other that sort of thing uh, to us they are very reasonable um, adjustments um, and mm -hmm. what we find is that companies who implement them uh, make sure that they're permanent changes. But have you looked at like implementing 
other like innovative methods of recruiting and interviews because I like okay for me I did prepare for my interviews like I contacted all the friends I knew who worked in HRs and those things so I went through all the questions possible in the book and I actually had like if they ask you this and you answer this if they ask you this you answer this so I was like perfectly prepared but I do think that interviews are stupid and I because it's all about the impression that you make yeah, I, I agree. And we would love to see more of a um, uh, a recruitment revolution, we think, so that it's a genuinely kind of equal and fair process for neurodiverse individuals who, you know, may not show them their best selves when tested in that kind of artificial environment. Yeah. So, because I'm just wondering, do you do you speak to recruitment specialists and try to brainstorm, find solutions, how to change the processes? Yeah, we do. So we've got um, some really good uh, support networks. Uh, we've got a business ambassador network and we've got a number of uh, recruiters on that who are supporting us strategically, really, to help us um, refine our offer to employers. Um, and also give us the employer recruitment perspective as well so that we can make sure that we understand the business challenges that employers face so that what we put to them addresses those challenges alongside opening the door for neurodiverse people. Could you actually share any success stories of uh, some of the people who you've helped find employment? Because I'm curious in terms of like, do we have any CEOs maybe or managers who are autistic but they've achieved a success thanks to your help oh we're not quite at the ceo level yet because um our young people are um typically uh, well eight, 16 to 18 but tip, sorry 16 to 25 but typically 18 to 25 although there are some remarkable young people among them and i if I was a betting girl, I would put money on them being CEOs very soon. Um, but we've got some lovely examples. So there was a young man who we um, placed in a work experience placement at Santander, um, and he needed some support in establishing some workplace adjustments. And his placement actually got off to a bit of a bumpy start and we, we were a bit worried about him at first. But then a major airline went bust and this young man spent his weekend, his free time, carrying out a deep data analysis to understand the implications of this airline going bust. And then on Monday morning, presented Santander with a report showing them how to mitigate the financial impact on them of managing customers who'd bought tickets on this airline using their Santander account. So. He must have saved them a fortune and they offered him a permanent role pretty much on the spot, I'd say. Um, and then we've got uh, another example I can think of is a young woman um, and she had a really tough time at school. Um, she felt that no one understood how to support her with her autism, uh, the children and teachers alike. Um, and she was actually effectively off-rolled out of education at just 12 years old. Um, and this really, of course, affected her well-being and her mental health. But she's quite a remarkable young woman. And against the odds, she pushed herself academically to catch up. Um, 
ultimately going to university, getting a first class degree. Um, but when she looked for employment at the end of it, she met all the outdated recruitment systems that we were talking about and that so many young people struggle with. And in spite of how brilliant she is, she just couldn't find work. So she joined our programme and we found her a placement in a media agency and she thrived. Um, they kept her on beyond the uh, work experience placement, um, retained her on a permanent contract, promoted her and she's now the diversity and inclusion lead for a major WPP agency. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really proud of them both and they're just two kind of different examples, but, you know, lots of young people doing amazing things. Okay, and uh, with you and yourself, how did you end up in Ambitious About Autism? So I've been in the charity sector for a long time, uh, over 20 years, and always in causes for children and young people. Um, I came across Ambitious About Autism, and the thing that really struck me and that I admired was the fact that it makes an immediate and life-changing difference to the lives of young people, obviously through delivering direct services to them, but it's also as committed to changing the system um, so that everybody benefits by influencing policy and practice to make sustainable changes. Um, and I was interested in autism as a cause. Um, I thought I knew a bit about autism. I'm a trustee for a local charity that supports autistic young people. Um, but I hadn't fully appreciated the injustices that autistic people face. I learned quickly that they miss out and are left behind um, at every turn. And I just felt I wanted to help change that. Okay, and uh, I understand that you do actually meet all these autistic people. You're not just the person in the office who is administering all the things. So, we, yeah, we me. have contact with our yes. um, autistic people. Yeah. So tell me, what have you learned from these people? Oh, so much, so much. Um, I suppose I've learned that it's wrong to have preconceptions about autistic people. I I know we all know the um, famous saying about if you know one autistic person, you know one autistic person. And I hadn't fully appreciated quite what that meant until I joined Ambitious. Um, uh, but truly, every autistic person is fundamentally different. And what I've learned, I guess, is that the best way to understand them um, what they need um, and how they can contribute is simply to ask them and to understand them as an individual. So, you know, ambitious about autism can advocate and support, but in my experience, autistic young people can advocate brilliantly for themselves. No one knows them like they know themselves. And uh, the challenges, the problems, because every, we talk about the positive sides, but of course, I know from myself and my experiences that uh, we're not easy people. I, I don't, uh, we haven't actually experienced many challenges at all. And when we have had difficult times, you know, perhaps a work placement hasn't succeeded. Um, it is rarely, if ever, 
um, because the challenge lies with the young person, but perhaps because um, something has changed on the employer side, perhaps the person who was trained to provide supervision uh, didn't come in that day or left or, you know, maybe something changed within the working environment that wasn't in line with the adjustments we'd agreed. Um, it's own, it, Those are the occasions really when we experience challenges and we do experience challenges. Um, you know, we talk about expecting the unexpected, but, you know, our young people are remarkable. I mean, to give you an example of how um, robust the support is and how well our young people respond to it. We had 30 young people in work experience placements um, with the civil service um, on the day when there was the very kind of sad and unfortunate stabbing incident on Westminster Bridge and the whole of London, central London went into lockdown and traffic stopped and uh, everybody was shutting their buildings and we had 30 young people trying to get into work that day and as soon as we found out about what was happening in the news we thought oh no this is all going to go horribly wrong for them and we were all on standby expecting the phone to start ringing not one of them called, the phone never rang once. They all just followed their plan B or their plan C because we'd worked with them to carefully um, establish different, a succession of different plans depending on different scenarios and they just responded accordingly and everything was fine. So I guess we overcome, we anticipate and overcome challenges by understanding the young person and just planning. What about, because I, I say that there's obstacles with the young people themselves, but what about their parents? Do you, do you sometimes have the pushy parents syndrome? Um, we, I, I, I don't think I would ever say that actually, because um, what I've learned, again, this is a learning for me, I guess, about autism, is that parents face a fight um, pretty much as soon as they detect a concern that their child is autistic. So, you know, it's a very lonely time being a parent of a, a very young child um, who's autistic. It's the, the pace at which um, a child gets diagnosed is um, unacceptably slow. There's very little joined up uh, support for a parent on receipt of a diagnosis. Um, securing a, a, a place in school can be a costly fight. They may have to uh, go to court just to get the education they want for their young person. Um, you know, a parent once said, and this broke my heart and it's changed the way I think forever actually, um, he had an autistic son and he said his one wish was to live one day longer than his child because he couldn't bear the thought of how difficult his child's life would be if he wasn't there to fight for him. Um, so if a parent ever presents as being pushy, I would never think of them in that way. I just think this is the fight that you've been fighting, you know, ever since your child was very young. But I understand that you're doing your best to provide these opportunities that these kids can live beyond their parents definitely definitely i mean we we want 
to get young people into work. We want them to have a taste of independence, the rewards of earning their own money. You know, we think it's obviously uh, good for the economy. It's good for, you know, their self-sufficiency, but it's also good for their self-esteem as well. Um, and we actually think that, you know, not, not everyone does want to work, but we find the majority of people we encounter do. And we think there is a job that every single one of them can, can do, um, irrespective of the perceptions. I think the probably the biggest challenges that um, we encounter are with the environments that our young people are operating within. We, we don't want to change the young person. We want to change the environment around them in order that that young person can thrive. Um, and, you know, we've encountered lots of willingness on the part of employers to do the right thing, but we do think a lot of them need more support in getting there. Do, could you tell me actually, because you probably already managed to identify the advantages of employing an autistic person, what can it bring to a company? Could you tell me what are they? What have you noticed? Definitely. I mean, to start with, the power of thinking differently. Um, uh, our young woman who went to work at the WPP agency uh, said to me, great minds don't think alike. Um, and that really stayed with me. Um, we see great examples of... Uh, people who are blessed with hyper-focus and using that um, fabulous attention to detail and uh, spotting uh, errors and things that nobody else had spotted. Um, we find that uh, autistic young people, through their kind of uh, divergent thinking, often uh, trigger innovations that other people might not have considered. But we also find the young people we work with are reliable, they're loyal. You know, many of them don't want to jump from job to job. They like the routine of having a job that they like and they go to every day and, you know, they're there on time and they work their hours. So um, to us, it is a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you want an autistic person who brings all these amazing qualities into your workplace? I guess another... Um, business benefit that we've seen is the consequence of having autistic people in your workplace. Some of our employers have fed back to them that it's actually created a sense of psychological safety among all of their employees. You know, there are probably many people within every organisation who haven't felt able to disclose that they are autistic or dyslexic or dyspraxic or, you know, whatever. Um, Yet when they see an employer welcoming and supporting an autistic person, you know, perhaps through our program, they suddenly think, OK, you, you, you know, I you get me better and I will disclose. And then, you know, you can put the adjustments in place to help me thrive rather than simply survive. OK, and uh, what what advice would you give to companies that would want to employ autistic people? Um, we always say, and it's not just us who say this, our participating employers say this most of all, it's so much easier than you might think. I mean, we know that 60% of employers worry about getting it wrong um, and they needn't worry because, you know, 
the adjustments that you may not even need, but in the event that you do need them, the adjustments that you need to put in place are simple, they're cheap, you know, perhaps it's as simple as a pair of noise defending headphones or even just a, an adjusted working pattern to avoid rush hour or a desk in a quiet corner. Really simple things. Um, but we also, there are so many um, internal benefits to um, employing a new, neurodiverse person, you know, alongside the skills that a young person brings, you know, what we found through our program is line managers sharpen their skills through supporting autistic people. They often learn to communicate better with more precision, more clarity. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we haven't had a bad experience yet. Um, our, we have a great renewal rate with our employers because they do it once, realise the benefits, realise, you know, actually it, it was really quite easy um, and want to grow from there. Uh, and uh, in terms of people who, who are autistic, and I understand that you reach out to them, but how can they find you and uh, how can you help them? So um, we connect with uh, autistic people in lots of different ways. Um, we attend lots of skills and careers fairs. Um, we used to do this in person with stands, but obviously all of that's online now. Um, we have a large and growing youth network um, that consists of our youth ambassadors. We have a strong participation um, program within Ambitious About Autism and we're bringing our former um, interns through our employability program into that and many of them um, act in a kind of ambassadorial program themselves and promote what we're doing. We're very active on social media um, but we also work through uh, parent and carer forums as well. Um, I mean I don't know what your experience was but when I was you know, 16, 18, my parents had a big say in helping me kind of think about and shape my career. Um, and, you know, it's no different for autistic people. You know, parents often have a big role in that. So we also communicate a lot with those sorts of groups. Okay, that sounds inter interesting in tho those ways. So I'm just trying to think, do I have any extra questions for you? Because actually it, it, it's it's a lot of things but um may maybe we'll just focus back go back on the education thing because sure. i i do know like i i myself i'm a university dropout because uh i'd say that when i was younger than my mother died when i was around 21 um, which meant which meant uh that as she was the person who was like driving me forcing me to do things and then, then I went uh, AWOL. So, like, I find a job. I'd quit the university. So I started a career in TV, for instance, because I was uh, distracted. I uh, started a career in a newspaper because I was distracted. There were all those things that would distract me, which meant that I wouldn't graduate. So I'm just wondering, how do you help these kind of people? So we do a lot of work with educators, actually. Um, I, I think I mentioned right at the beginning that we're currently working with 17 uh, universities at the moment. Uh, we also work with further education colleges all over the country, um, schools as well. Um, and we really go in via the careers support professionals 
um, we train them, we have a whole training program. Um, and that has come about because um, we did some research that told us that in fact only 19%, so 19% of autistic young people felt that the felt that they'd received in careers support that was relevant to them when they were in education. And we thought, gosh, there's a really big gap here in terms of careers support for autistic people. So um, that's quite an important kind of route to market, if you like, for us going in via the career support professionals, equipping them to provide to support autistic young people better and then help them on that transition uh, to the next step. But I understand, like uh, every time, every time I speak to people in terms of working with autistic people, you often have to have a coach involved in this mm. process. Now, isn't that like from this perspective very time-consuming? I mean, we don't provide coaching, as it were. Um, I mean, we equip the careers professionals to you know uh, provide whatever career support they would do ordinarily through their kind of education setting but with an autism lens across it we know that there are um, coaching and mentoring uh, services uh, specific to autistic people and they do a fabulous job actually and we work in partnership with a number of them um, but that's not a facet of our services. Uh, our services are very much about kind of equipping the employer to, you know, be able to support a, an autistic person themselves and also kind of uh, helping that young person to self-advocate and define what adjustments they need. So we don't use co coaches on to kind of direct element of what we do. And uh, are any of you like, uh, how can we call them, the al alumni, mm. uh, do they come back and help other autistic people? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, we we would like to keep in touch with all of them and we try. Um, but, you know, some people do uh, go on to, you know, some people go on their own path. Um, we know for a fact that uh the people who've been through of the people who've been through our program 66% of them are in employment or training um now and that's contrasted with a stat of 16% of autistic people in general um being in full time paid employment so we know our program works and they um support us by uh participating in our marketing material that we use to reach out to other young people, um, promoting uh, job roles when they come up. Uh, they support us in focus groups and things like that. They speak at events, they uh, all sorts of different ways. Could you tell me, uh, uh, coming to an end of things, what are your short and long term goals for Ambitious About Autism? So our ultimate mission is to make the ordinary possible for children and young people with autism. And that's an ordinary is an important word to us because what we recognize is that the ordinary is out of reach for most children and young people with autism. You know, things that a neurotypical person might take for granted, like, you know, an education that meets their needs, 
access to employment at the end of education, a clear pathway from one step to another just isn't possible for them. Um, our short term goals in achieving that are to deliver a mix of services and programmes and campaigning and influencing in the areas of excellent education, employment and enterprise, health and well-being, uh, active role in the community um, and uh, all the kind of uh, and always keeping children and young people at the heart of that. So everything we um, implement and innovate around is uh, co-developed and informed by our young people. Fantastic. I hope that all these goals are met. It was great having you and listening to all the interesting things that you're doing. My absolute pleasure and thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. This has been Neurodiverse Talks, a place where neurodiverse topics matter. With me was Dana Lehman Hill, Director of Fundraising and Development for Ambitious About Autism. If you want to learn more about them or support them, please visit their website at ambitiousaboutautism.org.uk. I also encourage you to listen to my other podcasts where I talk to business leaders and innovators about neurodiversity and what changes are going on in the world. You've been listening to Neurodiverse Talks and I'm Anthony Bodanovich. Be open for all neurodivergent people around you. Talk to you soon.